There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things super coach all season long. Please welcome your hosts. Whisper and Brew. The mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs are the team that Brew and I are going to be looking at today. A side that is full of unknowns, and it mostly comes down to their halfback and how the side is going to, I guess, work around the lack of Adam Reynolds. He is by far and away the biggest loss this club has had. They had a resurgence when it comes to Cody Walker. He played some of the best footy. And Luttrell looks stronger and stronger year on year playing fullback last year. was quietly a very, very exceptional season. A rookie half, uh, an experienced forward pack with Mark Nichols exiting the building at the end of this year. There's a lot to unpack when it comes to the Rabbitohs. Uh, as always, I am joined by the wonderful Brew. How are we, mate, on this uh, on this fine afternoon? Yeah, good, mate. The uh, The sun is out. It's been a while, so I'm enjoying that. It has. It's been been a little bit wet in uh, your mm. and my parts of the world recently, so it's good to see some sunshine. Um, today, where I'm recording, we're recording this uh, two or three days beforehand, but this is the first day I'm allowed out of the house after my lovely little isolation period. So I definitely made sure to get used to that this morning. Went and got some vitamin D, but we'll, we'll sit down. We'll crunch numbers. We'll look at we'll look at South Sydney because there's a couple of assets here that uh, will be in a fair few sides, and a couple that we may be sleeping on a little bit, um, but but no more talk. We're here to discuss them this year and how they went last year. And last year, look, pretty good year for South Sydney. Made the grand final, lost it on basically one play when it comes to Cody Walker, pushing the the envelope a little bit. But a grand final is is better than what they have done in recent years. They finished third last year, going 20-4, and four, uh, with 10-2 and two both home and away. So pretty hard to improve on last year. I've got them still in the top four, personally. I've got them at fourth, and that's just not having faith in the sides underneath them. Manly could push them if Turbo's fit for the whole season. Um, I've got them in fourth. I know that you're not as keen on them this year. I've got the, I still think they'll have a good season, but I've got them finishing in sixth. I just think with a few new pieces that are coming into that side, it might take a little bit of time to adjust. Reynolds is a bigger loss than they think. He controls that side so well, it might put a bit of extra pressure on Cody Walker. We've seen at times that he can explode even at times when the, you know, pressure cooker is turned up. So, yeah, I think they'll have their moments this season where you'll be like, South Sydney. But you'll have other moments where you're like, yeah, that was a pretty poor game. So a little bit up and down, I think, the season ahead, and I've got them finishing about sixth. Fair enough, fair enough. It's hard to, yeah, it's hard to really put a marker on them because Adam Reynolds, yeah, is a huge loss. You say it's going to take them some time to gel, and there's probably no better first four rounds for them to work that out um, when you've got the Broncos at home, which will not be an easy game. Sorry, yeah, no, the Broncos will be at home, so it's not an easy game for the Bunnies. Uh, they've got Melbourne, the Roosters, and the Panthers in the first four weeks, and then it opens up a little bit in round five with the Dragons. So if it does take a little bit of teething process for the the Bunnies, then probably the first four rounds is ideal because not many would be expecting them to win much of those anyway. Like the Broncos game, they could 
100% lose the Storm Roosters and Panthers. We could be facing a bunny side being 0-4 after the first month. It's quite possible. You, you know, I've got – that's top three sides, weeks two to four, and I think the Broncos will probably start quite well uh, in week one. They'll be ready for that game. So, yeah, it could be Norton 4, which won't be a reflection on South Sydney's season to come. It's just a reflection of a pretty hard draw to start. I can already see the Fox League headlines putting new coach Jason Dimitro under the pump in their stupid little pressure gauge post they put up. Um, but I think anyone with a bit of common sense realises that the Broncos are no easy beats at Suncorp round one with uh, some new recruits. And then obviously, yeah, three of the best sides in the competition, probably the three best sides in the competition back to back to back. So, yeah, I think we can cut South a bit of slack if we do see them 0-4 after the first month. Um, look, last year they put up 32.5 points a game. They ranked second in attack. They ranked third in defense, conceding 19 points a game. So pretty good on both fronts when you're top three in, in both categories. It's going to lead you to a bit of success. Have we ever seen an in and also an out for the same team in the same year? They gain Anthony Milford and then lose Anthony Milford. Make of that what you will. But by all reports, his court case will be this week slash next week. And then if he's all cleared, uh, he'll be off to Newcastle, but not to be at the Bunnies. They also bring in Isaiah Tass from the Brisbane Broncos. They bring in Michael Cheekham from the Tigers. They bring in uh, Saliva Havili from the Raiders. They lose Adam Reynolds, as we've touched on. They lose Jaden Sewer and Tau Tau Moga off to the St. George Illawarra Dragons. They lose Dane Gagai to the Newcastle Knights. They lose Josh Cook and Braden Burns to the Bulldogs. They lose Patrick Mago to Wigan. Troy Dargan, Brock Gardner, Stephen Masters, Dean Hawkins, and Benji Marshall. All out of the club, Marshall retired, and the rest of those guys had been released. Injuries slash suspensions, mate, looks pretty good. They've only got Latrell out for the first two rounds, but apart from that, uh, all things to go. There, there is a few niggles. Uh, we'll touch on Cam Murray and his shoulder reconstruction over the offseason, but it looks like he's putting in 110% at training, and, and he'll be fit for round one, so... New coach Jason Dimitrio has basically his full side to pick from. It'll be basically the the same side that he could basically choose from in the grand final, barring the exits that they had. Uh, we, we mentioned before, and they, they, they do do gain a couple of guys, and Isaiah Tars, who you and I are both keen on. Uh, Michael Cheekham from the Tigers is a fine utility to have, good bench option, good depth guy. And Sleva Havili, I have found a place for him in my 17. So he will come in and, and probably provide an impact straight away, you would imagine. Let's... Let's move on to the round one sides slash round three sides because there's only really one change that I'm making here. And at fullback, it is Blake Taff. He'll line up at the fullback position. And I guess, mate, let's touch on the idea of running Tarson and Ili- uh, Taff and Ilias or we just run one. I know that you're in the, the double camp at the moment. You've got uh, Blake Taff and Lockie Ilias in your sides, whereas I'm I'm against it. I, I want to hear the thought process behind um, why, why you think it's viable to run... Both, both South rookies. I don't hate it because Taft's going to get two games, worst case scenario, at fullback. So for me, that means Ilias obviously will be in the seven for those two weeks. Now, week three will be interesting because I suppose everyone's saying Ilias is naturally going to be the seven and he's going, going to get given that crack, but they might be Norton two at that stage and, and they might decide that you know they want to go with the more experienced of the two players and pick Blake Taff I think worst case scenario for Taff he's going to end up in the 14 jersey when they're full strength and Ilias is going to stay in the seven he's not going to have as higher upside obviously uh, but at the same time 
he, it does mean he can possibly get a couple of faster par, uh, price rises because he would have started the two games and then you might just have to off him quite early. But it's quite common, you know, to rotate your cheapies early in the season. I personally don't mind doing it at all. If it's a choice between, you know, carrying, say, Mam, who will probably be an NPR, I really can't see him being named to start the season or, you know, if your other options are spending up more money, I don't really want to spend $165,000 or whatever it is to go up to Hastings. I'd rather use that money elsewhere um, so that I can potentially save trades in other areas. If I'm pushing a, if I'm pushing a 350, you know, um, Cowboys back rower in, instead I can push that up to Jack Bird or you and Aitken, who I can potentially keep for the season if all things go to plan. I'd rather do that and just wait, wait, basically for a rookie to come up, a cash cow to come up. And when that happens, pick one. I'm going to make sure I've got the jewels so that pretty much when that person arises, that I can move them however I need to move them. You know, Kurt Mann's got a jewel into the halves. Um, Ilias can go up to seven himself. You've got other blokes that are front row forward, um, second row forward. You've got blokes that are center forward. So I'll be able to make it work. It's just a matter of jumping off at the right time, basically. I am against it because I feel like you're handcuffing yourself into a trade straight away that you don't need to make. I mean, Taff has come out and said that he's not ready to play seven. Uh, an interview basically said that he'll be playing 14 and Lockie Ellis will be given the crack. You don't name this kid at seven with the draw that you start the season with just to pull him out when it gets too hard. So yeah, you, you bide the time with Ilias for the first four weeks. You know that it's not going to be pretty for him. And then it opens up. You're going to get Latrell back, which is going to sort of free up Cody Walker a little bit, which therefore should be able to help Cody uh, enable uh, Lockie Ilias a little bit better. I feel if you pick Taff, yeah, you're going to get two games at fullback, but how many points is he realistically going to score? I mean, you've got the Broncos at home. That could be a high-scoring affair. That could be like a 26-24 type deal. I understand it there. Then against the Storm, who were the second-best Supercoach defensive side in the game. Then the Roosters, who were the sixth-best side depleted with injuries. And the Panthers, who were the best. In those three rounds, I think best-case scenario, Ilias goes 60-30-35-25. And... Yeah, you're gonna make a little bit of cash, but is it really worth it? Like, I don't really think it it makes a whole lot. Um, because by the time that the draw opens up at the Dragons, which is round five, the good score that we get from the Broncos is going to fall out of his rolling average. So I just feel like you're shooting yourself in the foot, making a trade that you don't need to, especially when all these cheapies do come up in the first month, and we're going to have these super trades to to basically fix our sides up and get the cheapies there. So personally. I'm against doing it because I don't feel South draw is due. If South had a really good draw, I'd be more keen on it. Uh, but I feel like it's just a trade that is not waiting to happen, that you, you're eventually going to have to make come around five or around six. Just my two cents on Blake Taft. But let's talk his other fullback compatriot when it comes to Latrell Mitchell because last year he was sensational. Um, he, he had a phenomenal season. I know that the, the suspension sucked and he's out for the first couple of rounds. But as we touched on with the Jaden Campbell, Reese Walsh situation, mate, it could be a blessing in disguise because he could drop in price uh, against basically the Roosters and the Panthers, let the Dragons happen, let the next week happen. And then basically those two poor scores are out of his rolling average. And then we can load up on Latrell. You and I have touched on this South Sydney draw from rounds, what is it, 5 to 22, when they play maybe one tough game. 
So you can basically ideally pick Latrell round six, round seven, run him as your other half for the rest of the, for the rest of the season. And if you're going someone like a turbo and you're saving cash at fullback, we've touched on this plenty of times. Like I definitely think Latrell is huge. Um, and goal kicking as well. Like South just aren't going to fall off the face of the earth. I, I know that losing Adam Reynolds is big, but he didn't have a huge super coach impact when it comes to the Souths. So if Souths can put up anywhere near the amount of points they did last year, even if they drop back from 32 points a game to say 28, that's still plenty of chances for Latrell to get his when it comes to that goal kicking com- compartment. And you know, as a Roosters fan, mate, he is lethal off the tee. Oh, he's definitely a good goal kicker. And I'm sure he's always been practicing as a backup. So he'll be fine off the tee this year. Not sure who will kick the first two weeks, but I guess we'll find out. I, I'm really keen on Latrell. I, I, I'm not sure I could say that I'll own him um, throughout the season. Ideally, I've, looking at obviously Teddy and Pappy as the combo to start, as soon as I can, I want to get to Turbo for one of them. And I feel like that's just going to be it. Once I get to that point, I'll probably end up having, say, I believe Pappenhausen and Turbo, and there just won't be a place barring any injuries for Latrell. But he's definitely a smoky pot option. I'm certainly keen on him. I used my uh, first round draft pick today to pick him up and I probably sniped you in the process, I'd say. You did. So I'm quite quite happy with that. Um, I knew that one would would dirty you. Um, He's in for a massive season. I'm just not sure if he'll end up in my side this year if there's no injuries, that's all. I think for the first 15 rounds, he's first cab off the rank for me when it comes to the fullback stocks. I'm not going to be able to afford Turbo in the first 10 weeks. I'm not going to make enough money. Unless unless Turbo drops a ridiculous amount, I'm not going to make enough money to pick him up. And the way my team's shaping up, I'm not going clear at the moment either. So I'm going to have to make cash elsewhere. And if anything happens to Pap or anything happens to Teddy, Latrell Mitchell is definitely there. First cab off the rank for me when it comes to fullback ranks. Let's touch oh, I agree. It would be extremely difficult to turn Pap or Teddy in the case of an injury up to Turbo unless he's dropped a lot of cash, yeah, like a lot of exactly. cash. Let's touch on their wingers, mate. One of them in Alex Johnson, the best try-scoring winger in the NRL, probably one of the best at his job. He knows his role and he's very, very good at it. The problem is you're paying after you're paying up for a career year. We know he's going to go on runs, as we touched on with Luttrell. South have that beautiful round sort of 5-22 to 22 draw. So he'll make, he'll make my way into into the side there. If Freddie Fittler doesn't take Cody Walker for Origin, then I can definitely see a world where AJ enters my side over that Origin break. Uh, he'll he'll go on runs, but you've got to pick your time. And we saw how reliant on, I guess, good matchups he was last year. Yeah, I I expect that it'll be kind of the way that it used to be before that outlier season last season. He'll be up. He'll be down. Um, even looking at the scores from the other night, he was about. Actually, I can't remember if he played in that game. I might have been looking at someone else. Um, so you just got to, you know, temper the expectations. I wouldn't be starting the season with him. First four weeks are horrid. But once he drops the cash and you've got a cow that's kind of peaked out, he's certainly a bloke that you can pick and 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 play a little bit of roulette with. Um, we know he can go on the run if Cody gets anywhere near the form that he was in last season, by all means, jump on, take that punt, because we know that Walker loves that side. We know that he loves that cutout ball wide, or he loves to, you know, push push the center into attacking him to draw the extra man, and then bang, all of a sudden you've got this really fast winger that's flying away, and he's a great finisher. So he's an option at some point, but not an option to start, in my personal opinion. 
Now, we'll touch on the centres soon, but do you think the exiting of Dane Gagger, who was a very dominant ball runner, um, where sides have to sort of focus on him and they're replacing him with someone not so big, uh, will have teams sort of more one-on-one rather than cutting in and trying to, sh- to shut out Gagai? I guess it depends on the makeup of the side. Uh, if Campbell Graham were to switch sides and move to the left, for example, uh, that would shore up that left side. Um, if Who are the other options? Jackson Paulo and probably Tane Milne, but at the moment Jackson Paulo is the front runner. And that's where um, I've got Jackson Paulo as my left center. I originally like I love the look. Uh, stuff it. Let's just, let's just talk about the, the centers quickly. I've got Campbell. That will make it I, I've got Campbell Graham on the right. I would have loved to see him on the left. Um, I've got him on the left. I just th- there's so many mixed reports going around of him playing left, him playing right. There's been photos of him playing both sides. If he plays left, I am all over him. I'll probably own him from round one, to be honest, if Campbell Graham plays left. Um, uh, maybe not round one, but he'll definitely be my side once that draw opens up. He'll be someone that, that I'm definitely targeting once South go on that run. He puts up fantastic scores on the right, and then you put him on the strike side on the left, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be sensational. I'm really, really keen on Campbell Graham. But unfortunately, I've got him on the right in my side, and I've got Jackson Paulo on the left too. We don't really have enough sample size for him in the centres, and that's where I was sort of alluding to with AJ. If they do line up with Jackson Paulo on the left, a very different player to Dane Gagai, and I just feel like teams would just line up one-on-one rather than try and shut down Gagai, and that would kill AJ. Look, my back line might be a little bit surprising here, but I've got Johnson and Graham sitting on one side. I've got Isaiah Tass at the on the right side center and I've got Josh Mansour outside him. So at the moment, I don't actually have a place for Paulo. I was really torn whether or not Paulo was in that mix or not. Uh, obviously he could have moved into center and Mansour could stay on the wing. Everything I've seen says that Mansour's getting a start again this season. Yeah. So I fully expect that he, he, AJ's not leaving his left wing. It's his wing. So Mansour will shift over to the right side, I would assume. And then it leaves a little bit of a puzzle for the last piece I still am hearing that Tass is really impressing and he's really pushing for that spot. He's pushing, but coaches coaches come out and said multiple times that he's just not there yet. And I feel like you're holding on to this hope, this narrative that Tass starts for you. And trust me, I I really wish he does, but um, I do have Jackson Paulo and Campbell Graham as my wingers. I originally had... I had Tane Milner as as one wing, um, but now, yeah, the talk is getting stronger and stronger that Mansour is is locking down one of those wings, and he's also my right winger. Tane Milne's a little bit overrated, so I'm not surprised. He was never really in the mix for me. Um, I always kind of expected that Mansour would rise back up. He did finish the season late last year. Very, very strong. I don't really think that South Sydney signed this guy to play reserve grade. He's, he's a much better player than reserve grade, and he's a good finisher. He's also a good worker, so it makes sense for them to pick him, but I've read multiple reports lately that the news is getting warmer, that Tass is going to, you know, sneak a spot come TLT. So I'm going to keep hanging on to that hope. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, Full disclosure, he's not in my side at the moment. I'm not banking on it, Um, but I am hearing a few whispers that it's getting warmer. I think it'll be him or Paulo um, in that center slot. Time will tell. I think Tass is the better player. So I'm just going to say, you know what? Tass is in. How about if, how, how much would the narrative change if we got Tass, we got William Key from the Tigers, and then we also got Paul Alamonte from the Bron- uh, from the Bulldogs? That would that would help us out 
a lot. I'd probably shift uh, Isaac Targo up top. And then, hey, if we even get Talon May, like if Talon May somehow sneaks a spot, it makes life so much easier to build your squads, I reckon, in that centre wing. You just go real cheap. Mate, it would be hilarious because I would have... I'd have Bird, probably. I'd have Aiken. Aiken. Ta- I'd possibly uh, Tago, have Firma. Yeah. I'd have Tago. I'd have all these jewels sitting up in second row just waiting for these cheapy cows to prime up, and then you flick beefing them down, up. Yeah. And then I just make the rotations forward or center. Which one do I want to go? Who's the hot property and go from there? It would be it would be fun times. Like we're already looking like we're kind of going to be blessed this season when it comes to to options. You know, sub three hundred in the centers. If we ended up getting three cows, like you just explained, my goodness, you maybe we could afford Tom Turbo. Du- double up Turbo Clear if that happens, um, mate. Look, we both touched. <laughs> we both touched on Mansour. Look, I do think he's over the hill a little bit. I, I don't think that there's any denying that. Um, he oh, is obviously he, 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 he is a, a he is a vet, let's just say veteran to be kind. Um, and he was lethal on the on the left edge. I remember owning him in draft last year. I picked him up off the waivers when AJ was out, and he was putting up phenomenal scores on, on the left hand side. The problem is on the right, he's a big miss, and especially if Souths go down the avenue of putting Campbell Graham over on the left, then it just it makes that right side so barren. Then if Isaiah Tass does get a start, like it's it's the Penrith situation where do they stack their side on the left or do they split them? So for me, Mansour is a bit of a no-go. Um, Campbell Graham, I am very keen on if he plays on the left. And Alex Johnson, we've touched on him a hard pass. Look, if, if Isaiah Tass does start, obviously we don't have to say anything else. He's 170-something K center wing line up on him. There's no analysis needed there. Uh, but when it comes to Jackson Paulo, he does his best work on the wing. And we, ha- we don't have a big sample size to touch on in the center. So I would be giving that a miss. The six and seven, they named themselves. Cody Walker wearing the six. Lachlan Ilias wearing the seven. Lachlan Ilias, no analysis needed. Set and forget, no brainer. He should be in every side that's taking this year seriously. Cody Walker, however, though, is is quite low owned. And a lot of people are hoping for some kind of um, step up with him in the side. But, I mean, like... The past, I went back and had a look at the past six years of scores. And that was when they had GI as well and Latrell. So they've had phenomenal fullbacks there ready to use. Cody Walker averaged 53 with no Adam Reynolds in the side. That was on 16 occasions. So that was no Adam Reynolds with Cody Walker playing 5 um, 8. There was a couple of games where he played fullback that I didn't count. So he averaged 53 in a six game sample size with no Adam Reynolds. Do I expect him to average 53 this year? God, no. I expect him to be around that 70 average a game. But that is still overpriced. Like if we're being generous in giving him the seventy, that is still still losing money. Look, it's hard to say that with a player of his ability that it's generous. But I, I certainly, like anyone watching, would say I just raised my eyes. I honestly think he's going to be somewhere in between the sixty-five to seventy mark. I yeah. don't think you're going to have. I think seventy is the a high season point. like he did last year. So he's priced above that, and he's got a horror month to start the season. I can't see the value in starting with him. You know, if Latrell was there from week one, then maybe you could consider it. But you're going to have two really young players in the spine to start the season. Cody himself is priced at his absolute peak, in my opinion. Just wait. I reckon you can pick him up for probably 570-ish Yeah. Um, by round five or six. And then, then you're laughing. Like, if he does drop below 600, jump on. I, I will own. 100% jump on. I will own. I will probably own from round six, I would say, um, depending on what Ilias does, depending on what kind of 5.8 I go. 
depending on how Hastings starts out or Ramona or whoever I decide to go, um, we will probably own and, and we might double up on Human Monster eventually after yeah, round six if we don't go clear or something like that. Uh, moving into the pigs, mate, we've got Tavita Totola. He locks down one front row spot. I don't think he is a negotiable. The other front Agreed. row, yeah, the, the other front row spot is interesting. Do they go with the club hero Mark Nichols, or do they go with probably the steadier hand in Thomas Burgess? I've leant towards Burgess personally. Uh, I just feel with Nichols on the out, um, yeah, you just you just play Burgess. He has looked solid for the past couple of years, and as much as people like Bur- uh, like Nichols, I think he's a tad overrated. And the fact that he is yeah leaving the club, probably just come having come off the bench. What are you talking about, mate? He's the goat. Apparently. No, he reminds me a little bit of um, Jordan McLean. Uh, Toby Rudolph. You know, he's got that kind of cult following about him now at South Sydney, but ultimately he is leaving the club. Tom Burgess is a proven international player. I've got Tom starting and I've got Nichols coming off the bench for the impact. I think longer term as the season goes on, you might even start looking at bringing through a cheaper guy and start future planning if need be. Both of them are getting on a little bit. You are going to need to start looking at the future. But to start the season, I've got Burgess Totola. That's how I'm expecting them to line up, absolutely. One middle I want you guys to watch out for is Davey Mole. I think it's, yeah, Moley or Moel, M-O-O-A-L-E. Yeah, so he is he is very, very handy. He's quite cheap. Probably is fourth or fifth on the pecking order. Um, but if he gets a start off the bench, definitely keep an eye out for him. He is handy. So with the front rowers, I like one of them. And the one that I like isn't Burgess. I do like to be Totola, but he's got to get the minutes. His PPM is definitely there. And if he can increase his poor, his minutes to maybe like 50 to 52 minutes a game, I really like to be Totola because he is a worker. Um, he'll just be on 40 points at halftime. You'll look down at your scores at halftime. He'll be on 40 and unfortunately doesn't play enough minutes in the second half to be, to be warranted. So Tavita Toller, I feel, is one to keep an eye out on in your draft leagues. If you can punt your, fo- your your front row forwards and you can wait until rounds 14, 15, 16, you can probably pick up Tavita Toller, expect a base, uh, not a base, but a bottom of like 52 points, 53 points a game for your draft leagues. That's that's really handy for your front row forwards. And then, yeah, he's got the upside if he gets the minutes. So Tavita Toller is probably the... The, the middle forward here that I like the most out of any of them. Thomas Burgess, I feel like he is a risk of rotation with Nichols. It, we can't be ignorant to say that he's not. Um, so I'd probably give Burgess a miss, but I'd be giving Totola a, a pretty close eye watch. And the Australia's greatest beach printer of all time, Damien Cook, is my number nine. He is the best hooker, not named Harry Grant. The thing is, he's got no Bennett, and we know the Bennett factor is there. It, it was killed after he left. Look at what Cooked the under Seabold, and look what he did before that as well. He, he killed it, and then Bennett came in and sort of pulled the rug out of him. Is he set to explode? It's hard to, to say he will, but it's hard to say that he won't either. But the one con, and I don't know if I'm overthinking this too much, Brew, but the signing of Saliba Havili, is there a world where they just say to Cookie, all right, let's just play you for 65 minutes a game, we'll, we'll, we'll put you on ice, you're getting a little bit older, and we'll keep you primed for September? I don't think so. I think he'll rotate through the middle. I think he's there as a, you know, a, 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 what do you call it? A handcuff, basically. If Cook goes down injured or something like that, you've got Havili in the side. He can fill in at hooker. Otherwise, he just rotates through the middle. He yeah, you, can play, go just, play a little bit of edge lost, if need be. You've just lost Josh Cook, so you need a middle. They've also got Pete uh, Mamazulius to play nine as well. So a couple of options there. Look, but yeah, He's an option. Um, if I see his name... I will go completely cold 
on Damian Cook. I'll be completely honest. At the moment, I'm pretty much going to start with Cook or Marnie at, at this point. I'm going to pick one of them and Weak. I'm going to go. I'm going to go the left. Can't believe um, you're off the grand train. Disgusting. Kiss my ass, mate. Um, yeah, I'm going to go the left. I'm going to take the points in round one, which does kind of. I'm still umming and ahhing. Cook could go well against the Broncos, but Marnie obviously has an eight-week stretch of pretty decent games. I'm thinking of going that direction. The extra 50, 60K will be quite handy. The reason I'm doing it is because I'm trying to capitalize in other areas. I don't think Hooker has a position that a ceiling is going to kill me. Therefore, if Grant does become the best Hooker, that's fine. I'll cop the 10 points. When, when he becomes the best and Hooker. Well, if, mate, if. Gun to your head. Your crystal ball. Gun to your head right now, Marnie or Cook. Uh, Marnie or Cook. Who, who, averages, um, who, who averages the most by season's end? Cook. I also agree. So, and Cook is the one that I do currently have in my side. So, I'm certainly considering it. I think Cook's going to open up a little bit this year. I, I, I don't expect him to go back to being Damian Cook from two years ago or three years ago. That was by far the best hooker in the competition. Um, the way that we now talk about Harry Grant. And, um, yeah, that's why all this Grant hype, you know, Grant could become Cook in a heartbeat. He might change his game style a little bit. He might start ball playing a little bit you don't know that's why i'm not gonna you know cut off my arm to spite my face and just go oh, i gotta i gotta get grand he's the best hooker in the game i'm willing to punt here um if i'm wrong well you know what it's 50k it's not 400 or 5 or 600k like it is to get to turbo or you know 300k to get to cleary if it's wrong i'll fix it but i don't believe that it'll be the difference that people think it will be i think people think Harry Grant's going to average 90 plus this season and everyone else is going sub 65. I just don't think that's going to be the case. No, I think don't be surprised to see Harry Grant average 84, 85 points this season's end. Whereas I feel like Cook is maybe a 72 kind of guy. So it's a yeah, 10, 10, 15 point difference. It's a case of whether you want to, to play on that. Hey, what is the thought process behind dumping Randall and running double gun hookers this year? If you run Grant and Cook, it's obviously set and forget. You'll never have to burn a trade on, the, on that on, on hook. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay. Well, you would if you want Harry Grant, wouldn't you? No, no, I'm, sa- um, no, no, I'm, saying, I'm saying you double up. You start, oh, ra- Grant you st- and you start Sorry, round, round one with Cook, Cook and Grant. I thought because I was talking up which two, which of these two I was going to go, I misheard. Or, um, or, or Grant look, money or Cook, or Cook money, like just any of the interchangeable three. I guess it depends what you think they're going to average, you know, if you think Cook's going to push up that average, like he averaged 66 last year and didn't have a very good season, to be honest. That's why I'm saying I think he, his ceiling is like 72. I think if he just runs the ball a little bit more, he will get a few more tackle busts each week. He'll occasionally get a line break or an LBA. And that's the difference for Cook. And that's why I honestly think he's going to add almost 10 points to his average this season. I'm not saying he's going to necessarily average 76, but I think he will be between 70 and 75 somewhere in that range. And, and if he does that, like you're getting that for sub 600. It makes me think like, yeah, you aren't, shit, like, you aren't, talk, I, 
you, you, you're not talking down Harry Grant. Like, you still think he is the hooker one by season's end. Look, Grant you, you're could just average saying that, up to 90. I'm just saying I don't think Grant's going to pull away at an extensive rate to start the season where I can't pick him up when it when it's the best time to do so. So, so double cheap hookers, no. Double gun hookers, uh, look, yes unless, or no. Unless, unless Josh Cook is named to start for the Bulldogs, I won't go double cheap. I am either going... Well, let's say Ruben Cotter starts 13. Do you go double cheap then with, with Randall and Cotter? I don't like Cotter. Neither I don't do care I. what he scored the other night. I, I just, like... He didn't look there's, good. There's, there's something about him. Like, I, I guess I sound like a hypocrite because, you know, everyone hated Hines the other night and he's actually scored 72 super coach points. And I was saying, well, you know what? If he had a poor game, well, suck it. I'm going to be right and he's going to average 90 plus this season. But, yeah, I, just, I don't know about Cotter. I just, I really... I'm not confident that he gets the minutes and gets the 13 jersey. It's too much risk for me. I can honestly see them naming Cotter week one in the 13, and then by week three, bang, Tamalolo's back there and Cotter's playing off the bench, and I've got a problem to fix. I, I would rather just pick one of those top top three guys. So to go, round to round out this cook chat, double hookers, double cheap hookers, no, double gun hookers, you can get uh, behind it. I tell you what, I'll try it. I will. Um, yeah, I tried it. it I, I would probably. Saying no just because there's not really any other two hundred and forty five thousand dollar player that's going to score fifty plus and and potentially play anywhere up to eighty minutes or sixty five to eighty minutes. That's not obviously a center, which is a different ball game. Yeah. For that reason, I think I wouldn't pass up on Randall because he could make two hundred k. But in terms of squad, I reckon I could go a double gun squad quite easily. Um, and make it work. It's just the loss of the cash that should be easy money from Randall. Yeah, I I, I had the double gun. I didn't have it. I, I played around with it. I didn't hate it. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely keen on the Randall Randall slash gun combination. Um, so look, let's touch on the back rowers. One of them I am so, so in love with. And I didn't think I'd be saying this 12 months ago because I was the number one hater on the Jai Arrow bandwagon. I'm very keen 2022, mate. He's starting edge. 65 minutes, question mark, 1 ppm. Can he go back to his Titans best? I mean, even at like 0.85 ppm, it's still there. He's like, what, 460k available dual to our front row forward? If he's playing 60... Dual is very handy. Uh, I wouldn't pick him at second row, but I have found myself a few times plugging him as my second um, as my second front row forward. I just, every time I do it, I sit there and go, he's the same price as Udukamano. Wouldn't I just go Udukamano? Um, I think Arrow's and got that's more upside, I keep... to be honest. Yeah, but Udukamano can also break the line and score a try. Uh, I'm not saying Arrow can't, but I, I think his PPM will dip on the edge. Um, well, even, even so at, you're going to need at, a bit more attack from him, even and at, I don't think you'll get it early. Even at 0.85 PPM at 65 minutes, that's 55 points. And then, yeah, if we, if we can get the upside on the attack. I mean, he's playing on the weaker side. That's the issue. But he's probably safe there. Whereas, like, if we're going to be honest, like the Utoi Kamanu, it's a gamble because Madge is crazy. So, I no, mean, that's his front row forward spot. I think I think Udo's safe. What about what about people? Again, like, about, if you're talking fifty fives, for example, worst Martin case. could average fifty five, and he's four twenty eight, and it's going to play for the reigning premiers. And I just think Aaron's got way more upside than any, so. any of these guys, personally. Hey, well, uh, Arrow's burnt me a little bit, so I, what, re- what about, I find it really hard to be comfortable picking him. What about Utoi Kamanu and Arrow? Punt off um, Haas and punt off AF- AFB and spend like 900k between your starting front row forwards. 
Look, it's risky. As long as you get the reward elsewhere, like if they do both bang out 55 to 60 and let's say Haas goes a 75 average, you've lost 15 points, but you've picked up probably, oh, I don't know the mass off the top of my head. You've probably got an extra 180 K or something like that in the bank. What can you do with that money? Is it the difference between say starting with a, a Hastings or a somewhere around that kind of mark or starting with a Luai or a Kiri at that 520-ish mark who have the much higher ceiling. Like, I don't think Hastings will score a ton this season, potentially. Whereas, you know, I'll take you've bet. got Luai and Kiri who potentially could score multiple tons in the season for the, for what they are and their ceilings. I guess it's the benefit. I'm keen on Jai Arrow, and it's a case of where I can find him in my side because... I'm really debating whether is I'm tr- I'm trying to work out is Payne Haas that guy, like I, um, is is having like, is having the Rolls Royce front row forward worth it? And I'm starting to say no. I'm finding myself saying that. So interesting. I was just thinking season. about something, and and I only gave one example. Another example off the top of my head is you could the difference between Oliver Gildhart and potentially having Katoni Stags. Now that might be a more realistic one to compare. Who's gonna? Who's going to average more? Who's going to be the safer option? Who's got the higher upside? I know we don't know a lot about Gilda, but I don't ex- exactly expect this bloke to average 65 plus this year, which not a while, but we're comparing very well. We're, do. Com- we're comparing Utoi Kamanu and Arrow, who are 30k difference, and then comparing him to Stags and Gildhart, who are nearly 200k difference. Yeah, but you're not factoring in the difference in price that you mentioned instead of having Payne Haas. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm, I'm going cold on, on the Haas thing because, like, is a nearly 600k front row forward who's going to score me 70 to 75 worth it when I can, I, um, when, when I can get a front row forward who'll average 65 for, like, 200k less? I don't even know who I have at the moment. I've been chopping back and forward on Haas. He, he's been in, he's been out because I, re- I do have Haas at the moment. Um, between him and Fanua Blake... I often find myself chopping the extra 80, 90K. And I'm locked going, into... I'm I Blake think I'm locked into Fanua Blake. He's... I'm telling you, he's the fittest he's ever been in his life. And we're talking about a guy that is a powerful runner and he, he can he can pass the ball too. And he's definitely got an offload in him. So, you know, who's to say that Fanua Blake couldn't have a 70 average season? I just... With Haas, like he's not a... He doesn't seem to be a try scorer. He's a phenomenal worker. We know he works extremely hard but he doesn't seem to score the tries. And that concerns me a little bit. It just makes me think, okay, yeah, he might average 70, 75 for the season, but does he have that ability to, you know, win your games or really stand out for you and score a hundred or 120 or, you know, like back in the day where a Watmau type could score 150. I think Andrew Fafita did it. I just don't think he can go to that level. So whilst he's a safe pick, I think he's, you know, not going to say he's the Aiden Tolman of say front row forwards, but I just don't think he has that excitement to go next level. Therefore, I don't think he's going to burn you that much. You touch on on fitness of of guys, and and if if the fitness was a hundred percent clear on Cam Murray, I'd be starting with him because on the surface of things, sort of a middling seventy average. But you take out the average where you take out the game where he injured himself, you take out the games where he played on the edge, he actually averaged seventy seven points a game, mate. So he is he is looking juicy. And the fact that there's a little bit of a wisp of coming out that Ryan Madison might be playing lock because Nathan Brown is is not fit kind of puts me cold on the Maddo debate. Piss off, mate. And yeah, so uh, for, killing me. For, for, for anyone, sorry, for anyone that didn't hear, I posted this. Um, a pretty diehard Parramatta fan who says he goes to most trainings 
Um, said Nathan Brown has put the boots on for the first time last week after an undisclosed off-season surgery. And yeah, Matt is potentially favoured to play lock, which doesn't sit well with me. So that makes me that makes the Cam Murray stocks a little bit higher for me. So the only problem with Cam Murray is the fact that he had that off-season shoulder reconstruction. And that kind of kind of throws it out a little bit. I mean, in a perfect world, he's 100% fit, didn't have the surgery, and he comes into the season ready to go. All the training pictures suggest he's 100%, but what is the coach going to do? Can we bank on it? If we're already taking a gamble on Fafita, do we just spend the money and have our second gun front row to our ref in Angus Crichton, who we know is a safer pick? Murray presents so much value at 77 average, but I think I'm going to have to pick him up later on. Not so much at the start. Yeah, look, you brought up Madison. Even if he does start lock, I don't think he's going to play lock for too long. So I'm not too bothered because I feel like Madison's a guy that's going to average really highly. I think also this shoots, put him in this the middle, shoots, his work rate will be phenomenal. So you know what? If he loses his 15 minutes, but he plays in the middle, I, I think it'll almost balance out. Yeah, but then he, he loses he won't the attack, get that though, try losing. Yeah, but again, like, we talk about the value of a trade and things like this. Like if he's going to play lock for three or four weeks, is that worth not starting the season with him? Like, it's not like he's going to start off the bench for three or four weeks. I'd rather he's still start going to be right there in the action. I'd rather start with Isaiah Papali'i now after this news and then flick him off to Madison once Brown comes back, to be honest. I, I must admit when we were drafting this morning and I was on the clock, I was seriously considering Papali'i because I was like, Oh, this guy's going to definitely start the season. He'll probably kill it on the edge yeah. playing 80 minutes again and they won't be able to drop him. Um, but I don't think I'm ballsy enough to to pick Papa Lee. But the Murray the Murray shouts a really good one, and that that was actually the point of our conversation. We've we've gone off a little bit here. I as as, you, as usual. Uh, that's right. We love this stuff, mate. We get we get stuck in like we're at the bar. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've currently got for Fida Crichton and Madison in my second row. It's it's pretty stacked at the moment. But it is tempting. It is very tempting to go just go for feeder, Crichton, Murray to start the season and just set sail, bang, done for the year. He's, some, he's someone, someone that's someone as a fourth. He's someone that does start slow um, from memory. This isn't anything numbers can back up. I haven't looked, but I think from memory he does start slow, and that's why we have to check it out with with the conjunction of the shoulder reconstruction. I am cool, not cooling, because I never I was never really overly hot on him. I'll own Murray eventually. But I just I just worry with the shoulder injury that it's a, it's a case of him, yeah, coming to my side later rather than, rather than round one personally. I I'm a little bit on the fence with it, so I'm not quite sure. I will say at some point I definitely want to own this guy. I think he's in for his best Super Coach season that he's had to date. I'm expecting real big things for him. I think he, think he'll probably be a top three captaincy um, factor second too. rower. Um, yeah, th- there's a lot going for him. It's a risk with the shoulder. I know he's been training. Um, Josh Mansell posts a lot of TikTok, so he might be a good follower for anyone that's got TikTok. And, and I've seen he does have his shoulder strapped, but he's he's doing contact as far as I saw. So I think he'll be okay. I oh, think yeah, he'll he's, be good he's to go. F- he's fully fit training, but the the problem, like, and that's the thing, like, he he's he's 100% getting stuck in at training. Um, we saw that photo that emerged. They were all doing, the, like, the suicide runs. And every every player was on the line, and Cam Murray was just that little bit behind it, and they're they're the one percenters you want to see from your captain. But I just worry that he's he's back into the season a little bit after the shoulder. That's that's the biggest concern, and I don't want to be paying the money for him with a tough draw, having 
five, seven, ten minutes shaved off his average playing time for the first month. I'd rather get him in once he starts playing bigger minutes consistently. But I also agree with you. I think he he could end up a top three to RF because I feel like he's he's the kind of guy that is going to thrive of having this captaincy. And yeah, his work rate will go through the roof. If Cook is running, it goes hand in hand with Murray. He'll be there. Walk will be pushing up with him as well. So uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm keen on Cam Murray. I'm just not keen with the shoulder. So I'm, I think I'm going to wait personally. At the moment, he might actually be someone that I'd consider because looking at my side, like what? I've got Haas and Haas got injured in the last game of the season or whatever, but it was a syndesmosis. It's nothing. So he's good to go. I'm not really carrying that many blokes who are coming back from real serious injuries. Like our, Teddy had his stem Our boy cell Fafita, mate. Our boy, well and... our boy Fafita done his bloody ribs at All-Star games. No, he's good. He's, he's good. He's in quotation marks. He's good. But it's how much is he good in Justin Holbrook's mind? This is... This is what I'm worried about. But how good? How good did he look? Cleared and available to play this week in the trials is what I read. So whether or not he does, Guaranteed you probably wouldn't risk him. But no, he probably won't. But no, I've got no worries about Fafita. Honestly, if he was one of the only guys that's coming back from a major surgery, I might just risk it because what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Once, he gets um, injured. Once... Okay, well we can't control injuries. You can pick the safest bloke in the world, and he could get injured. So. I'm not playing that type of game this year. I'm not playing the fear factor game and, oh, they're coming back from an injury. Like, I'm just picking the guys that I think are going to kill it. And if they go down, they go down and I'll react accordingly. Once uh, once Fafita bullied half of the Maldi All-Star side, uh, my phone didn't shut up for the next probably 20 minutes. People asking me about, you and Brew are loving this. And uh, I think that was the worst thing because I think everyone realised just how good Fafita is and his ownership went, went up. Uh, I think it went up by 3 or 4%. So, yeah. Not, not so ideal. Just for the um for the audience, we actually weren't loving it because we'd both jumped on and his uh, ownership actually wasn't that great, and now it has skyrocketed. Yep. <laughs> and we so, are super coach players; we want that advantage. I wish Fafita did nothing. He scored twelve points that game, um, but <laughs> unfo- unfortunately, not to be. Hey, let's touch on the bench. Number fourteen, I've got uh, Saliba Havili. He is my utility I man. You have. Blake Taff, actually. So I've, oh, I've, I've got I've got Taff and forget and, about and round one. I'm just picking what will be the side when Latrell's back here. I've got Taff in the fourteen. I've got Taff in the in the seventeen. Like not in like I've got I've got. It doesn't really matter where he wears it. In my mind, he's he'll be in the side. He'll probably wear the fourteen. But I've got my bench okay. with I've got with my bench with Havili, Nichols, Harm Sele slash Blake Taff. Um, so I think Sele will come out once Latrell is back. And I've also got Jacob Host because I don't think Arrow is fit enough to play 80 on an edge. All right, that was a lot to take in. So I've got 14 as Blake Taff. He'll play utility to clear that up. I've got Mark Nichols, obviously, forward interchange. I've got Jacob Host, same as you, um, for a bit of second row interchange. I've then got Saliba Havili, um, and I've got him to play in the middle, but obviously he is someone who could fill in if anything were to happen to Cook. Uh, 18th, I'm thinking Liam Knight's there or thereabouts and, we have, and could we, actually make his way into the 17 if they were to not run Taff and play Havili as the 14. We, we have the same bench. We just had them ordered differently. Um, okay. Also, Liam Knight is a very top bloke. Got a lot of time for Liam Knight. Um, that's going to that's gonna wrap up the Rabbitohs preview. Um, I think they will regress this year, but I don't think they'll be regressing too hard. It's probably a case of other sides not pushing up. I mean, who are the sides they are going to compete with them? Parramatta? The Sharks, Manly, probably all the sides nipping at the heels for that top four race. So uh, it'll be a case of how new coach Jason Demetrio can manage the side with 
with a, a couple of big names. And how Cody Walker is really going to bounce um, back with losing his mate Nathan Reynolds, and then obviously a rookie half in Lachlan Elias and and can Latrell stay fully fit? Um, I think a lot of super coaches are hoping that he doesn't and get suspended for a month or longer because then that opens up Blake Taff at fullback, which could be very, very juicy. Uh, mate, that's going to wrap it up on this uh, lovely Friday. Next week, we'll be back with the Dragons, the Roosters, and I think the Warriors. And then we're getting closer and closer to footy. Um, Brew and I might drop a trials review podcast Monday night, Tuesday, depending on what kind of time goes in. Um, but we'll, we'll definitely get some trials content out once it happens. But yeah, footy is back in full flight and I cannot wait, mate. Yeah, I can't either. Um, just to sum up the podcast from my point of view, I've got, I've got South Sydney finishing sixth. I've got the biggest X factor in the side is Damien Cook because I think he's going to be the person that moves the most in his average this season. Asset-wise, Cody Walker, when the time's right. Latrell Mitchell, again, when the time's right. Biggest trap I've got is Alex Johnston. Purely from a start-the-season standpoint, though, uh, eventually, obviously, he is a jump on when the time is right. I have South in fourth. I have the biggest traps being Alex Johnston and Cody Walker for the first one to four rounds. Um, my studs, obviously, Damian Cook, Cameron Murray, and my X Factor is Jai Arrow. Hopefully, you guys have enjoyed the South's podcast. I can't believe I'm vouching for Jai Arrow after the slander I gave him last year. But that's going to do it for today. Um, we'll be back, like I said, after the trials, and then we'll, we'll wrap up these team previews, which you guys have been enjoying. I've been your host, CSC Whisperer. I've been joined by Brewer C. You've been listening to the Dual Position Podcast. Bye for now. Thanks for listening, guys. Stay safe. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 